Yanmar trying to get it towards the empty net. He dives. He scores. Hat trick. Game seven. Yanmar. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. And he comes, fakes. He scores. Mark Stone, shorthanded goal. Took the goal off its pegs, lost his stick, but more room to pump his fist. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Let's get at it. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. If you missed anything from the opening 60 minutes, uh, download the podcast. uh, Check it out. We have it uh, up on the platforms right after every show, so uh, make sure that uh, that you don't miss out on anything important in your hockey uh, lifestyle. We we had uh, listener callers. We we announced this new program where every Monday at four o'clock is your time. So if you missed that, make sure you. Uh, Dial in next week, uh, 702-876-1340. Put it in your phone, and you're ready to rock and roll. Every Monday, the opening segment on the VGK Insider Show is yours to let us know uh, what's happening. Darren Millard, along with Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, here in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. We are going to get to one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. A lot of stuff uh, occurring over the course of the weekend uh, as we inch towards training camps, rookie camps uh, on the horizon. We've got the rookie tournament in Arizona for the Vegas Golden Knights coming up this weekend. And the Golden Knights prospects uh, will be making that trip. And then it's uh, media day next week and training camp for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, inside of two weeks. So that's uh, all rolling towards us as we finish off top five, bottom five. Uh, We've rounded through the list of the top four teams in the National Hockey League and the four worst teams in the NHL from 5-4-3-2, and today is number one in both categories. Wallace, do you want to go first for the top team in the NHL, or would you rather go first for the worst team in the NHL? I'll give you the option here. Um, whew, That's a tough one. Uh Probably, I want to go first for the worst team in the NHL. So, Chapman, you're on the clock here. Give us your five best teams in the National Hockey League, culminating with who you think is the top team going into this 2021-2022 season. All right, well, coming in at number five, I had the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number four was the Vegas Golden Knights. Number three, Colorado Avalanche. Number two, The New York Islanders, which leads me to my number one team in the NHL. It is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. I look at this team from top to bottom. I don't see a lot of holes. They have the best goalie in the game in Vasilevsky. They've got arguably the best defenseman in the game in Victor Hedman. They've got a potential Hart Trophy candidate every single year in Nikita Kucherov. They have Braden Point, who got a nice extension. Anthony Sorelli. I even like the guys that they signed as free agents because I I love Pierre Edward Belmar. We know what we're going to get, what they're going to get with him. And I think kind of an under-the-radar signing was Corey Perry. He was really good for the Dallas Stars. He was really good for the Montreal Canadiens. And there's no reason to think that he's not going to be really good for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I also love John Cooper. I think he's maybe the best coach in the game. And I think about legacy for John Cooper. What's at stake for John Cooper? Look, he's got the two cups, but let's think about this. John Cooper has the potential to go back-to-back Stanley Cup, win a gold medal in the Olympics in between, 
and then turn around and three-peat as Stanley Cup champion, that's quite a feat for a coach. And I think the Lightning, they have an opportunity to put themselves in elite company by three-peating. They're the best team in the NHL until someone proves otherwise. Uh, I will say this. uh, Credit should also go to the management uh, of the Tampa for sticking with John Cooper. Yeah, because they could they could have pulled the plug. Not making the change, and uh, that was the right decision. I'm with you. I love uh, John Cooper. My top five in the National Hockey League going into this season: Islanders, Florida, Colorado at three, Tampa at two. And then the Vegas Golden Knights uh, at number one. The reset, the defense is as good or better. I like what they've done up front, adding the skill and uh, making the acquisition of Nolan Patrick and and freeing up some room uh, on the goaltending front to allow yourself to bring back Alec Martinez. Love it. I think they're the uh, best team in the Western Conference. Then you take your pick uh, in the Stanley Cup final. Hopefully uh, they can get it done. Vegas Golden Knights top team in the National Hockey League, according to Darren Millard. Ryan Wallace, yeah, tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the tiebreaker, and considering that uh, I have Vegas as my second best team in the league, I think you can understand that you're going to lose this one, Darren Millard. Top five, according to Ryan Wallace, Boston Bruins at number five, the Florida Panthers number four, Colorado Avalanche in the three spot, the Golden Knights number two, and it's the Tampa Bay Lightning number one. And listen, here's the deal. Until a team knocks them off the mountain, they are the best team in the league. I know they've lost a lot from this team. Blake Coleman, Barclay Goodrow, Tyler Johnson, those things are going to hurt. But when you t- when you look at this team up front, how stacked they are, just how good their forwards, their forward group is. I mean, there's no holes. They did a good enough job, I think, in the offseason addressing some of those depth issues that might show up during the regular season by bringing in Corey Perry, Pierre Edward Belmar, as, as as Chris mentioned, and then they're going to have to look to some younger guys to, to step in and, and kind of give you a little bit more at the NHL level. I think they'll be able to do it. That being said, defensively, this team is incredibly good. Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Mikhail Sergachev, you talk about kind of a big three when it comes to defense. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning certainly do have that, and they've got the best goaltender in the game. I, I, it's just there's no real hole with this group, and I just look at them as a team that it took them a while to figure out how to get it done at this level. Now they've done it. Corey Perry, all he does is go to Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Pat Maroon, all he does is win Stanley Cups. I'm not going to bet against the Tampa Bay Lightning until someone unseats them, and that can't happen until it does, and it's not going to happen before the start of this season. I like the Corey Perry signing, too. Uh, Tampa, Vegas, Colorado, in some way, shape, or form, those are going to be your top three, and pretty consistent within our group. Yeah. Any surprises as far as the outlier from what we supplied with top five? Uh, I threw in the New York Islanders. Uh, mm-hmm. Boston Bruins, that kind of caught me off guard when yeah. you tossed that in. The Toronto Maple Leafs, with all the disappointment that's occurred with that group, and then Kyle Dubas coming out in the Bob McCallum podcast with John Shannon uh, this week saying, yeah, you know, his job's kind of on the line here with this yeah. uh, this group uh, and going into this year. Uh, those were, were 
kind of three teams where you could make a case for or against. I still don't think the Islanders get anywhere near the respect that they deserve. But Boston, that I didn't see that coming from you. Yeah, I, I didn't see it coming from me either. And to be completely honest with you, I just wanted to lean heavily into the Boston Bruins are going to be good because I was so, so wrong about the Boston Bruins over the last two seasons. And a, a part of it is I, I don't give the New York Islanders enough respect. I don't give them enough credit for being a Final Four team over the last two years. I don't know why. Perhaps it has something to do with those stretches during the regular season where the Islanders can kind of struggle and and, and it it becomes difficult to win games. But this team has proven that once you get into a seven-game series in the playoffs, Barry Trotz has the adjustments and they are committed to their structure in order to win games and do what's necessary. So it's not surprising to me that the Islanders have the postseason success I just think they leave a little bit to be desired in the regular season and you know for me I I, that's probably why I don't give them the respect that they deserve all right now to the five worst teams in the National Hockey League according to the VGK Insider Show Ryan Wallace okay leading us out yeah all right so uh, five Ottawa Senators four San Jose Sharks three Anaheim Ducks two Arizona Coyotes one, it's the Buffalo Sabres, and I, I really hope that my wife isn't listening to this right now because I promised I wouldn't talk badly of the Buffalo sports teams, but I, I have to be true to myself, and the Buffalo Sabres are going to be the worst team in the league. And while I do think they'll be better than they were last season because it's a, you know, it's a pretty low bar to clear there. I do think that until there's a resolution with Jack Eichel, whatever they do on the ice will not matter one bit. You've got to move on or you've got to repair the relationship, get him healthy, and get him wanting to come play for your team. Because every single day since the draft that has passed, the return on what you're going to get back if you're Kevin Adams goes down. And the the Sabres were already in a situation with Jack Eichel where they weren't going to win the trade. You're never going to get fair value. And I think now that this now that so much time has passed, and now that we're here on the doorstep of training camps, it's just going to look worse and worse. I do think Kevin Adams did you know well enough in moving Rasmus Ristolainen for roster pieces that could play right now. Draft capital, uh, return on Sam Reinhardt, eh, not as good as what he was able to get for Rasmus Ristolainen. Owen Power not going to play for the Sabres next year. And then, you know, you've still got to sign Rasmus Deline. Like, there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Sabres, but right now, until you figure out Jack Eichel, I think this team's just going to continue to be one of those teams that wallows in their own self-pity until they find a way to resolve that. Boy, for somebody that didn't want to talk about the Buffalo Sabres and Buffalo sports teams in a negative mm-hmm. tone. Yep. That was good. It, well, I, it's not that it's not that I didn't have it. It's not that yeah. I don't feel it. I was just trying to be nice. Yeah. Uh Chapman. Yeah, my my well my my bottom 5, I start with the Ottawa Senators and I have the Ducks, Columbus Blue Jackets, Arizona Coyotes and no surprise it's the Buffalo Sabres in at the bottom. Like Ryan said, they they have to have a resolution with Eichel whether or not they trade him, whether or not they they ha- he has a surgery. There has to be some type of resolution there look it's not it's not that they're lacking good young players the good young players are there the problem is there's just not much around the Casey Middlestats and and the Dylan Cousins they don't really have anything in the cupboard in terms of quality veteran players at least guys who are consistent quality veteran players I think Victor Olofsson is good but 
they're just not a good team. I mean, you look at their blue line and you're like, wow, this is their blue line. I think their number one goalie is going to be Craig Anderson, who is even older than Mike Smith. Their backup, I believe, is Aaron Dell. So even in the goaltending department, there, there there's nothing in Buffalo for them to say, yeah, you know what, maybe this guy can carry us. There's just not that guy. You know, they played better in the last stretch of the season. And they beat the Devils a bunch of it times was, last year. It was year. garbage time, I know. Yeah, but... but, but Played a bit better. I I don't know whether they're going to be as terrible historically as what we're looking at, and some people were probably hoping for it because everybody loves it, the the kind of like the the fascination of a team going completely off the rails. But they're going to be bad. Uh, my bottom five: Anaheim, Seattle, Detroit. Arizona and Buffalo. So it's unanimous across the board with the three of us. What concerns me about Buffalo is you got to move on from, from Eichel. It's just a cloud. You either got to fix it or you got to move on with it, but you can't go through the first part of the, the season here with him either suspended or on IR waiting for the trade. Now, if here's the thing that really baffles me, about Jack Eichel. There's two courses of action with his treatment. He's got the neck problem. Yeah. He wants the uh, disc replacement surgery, which has never been done in a hockey player. Is that as big a deal as we're led to believe, or is it just another, like, arthroscopic surgery at one point had never been done? Like, there's there's all these situations where it's the first time for everything. It's been done on other people, it's just never been done on a hockey player. How groundbreaking is that? The Buffalo Sabres management obviously feels like it's too big of a risk. The other option that Buffalo management has proposed is rest. Well, you can't go more than the Buffalo Sabres and Jack Eichel have just gone when it comes to rest. Like right. The guy hasn't played in almost a year. So if it's not healed by now, if he's not ready to go now, then you have to look at some other course of action. Do you not? I I mean I would think so. Uh, there, you know, he played twenty one games in the twenty 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 one season. So we're not talking about you know a player that played the full fifty six and he's only had the last couple of months, two three months to to try to rest and recover. Here we're, we're talking about a guy that's had probably what six to seven months to try to rest and rehab this Mm -hmm. thing and i mean if he's not ready to go if he can't play at that level then yeah you're you're just burning time right now the fascinating thing will be and normally it's just one of those uh, procedures that everybody just checks the box okay we'll get through this is medicals uh and then the players go on the ice it will be fascinating to watch what comes out of the medical uh, process for the Buffalo Sabres at training camp. If the Buffalo doctors, after all this rest, if the team doctors clear him to play, well, then Jack Eichel has a decision on whether or not he plays. And if he sits out, he loses like thirty grand a day or, some, or a week uh, yeah. uh, for, for his contract. So that's that'll be his decision. If he's not cleared to play, then 
you have to really question whether rest is the proper plan of attack to get him healthy and ready to go. So that will be the key point, is whether or not he is cleared to play. If if he is cleared to play, I guarantee you the NHLPA and Jack Eichel's group will be searching a second opinion and and trying to... Because the, for, for Eichel, you look at it from his standpoint, what, what he wants to be is deemed not cleared to play, and yeah. then he has uh, more ammunition to get the surgery. If he is cleared to play, well, then things get even murkier. Yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, it, it's going to be fascinating to kind of see where that goes. And I I fully believe that Jack Eichel has played his last game as a Buffalo Sabre. I, I just, I, I have to believe that. I think that you, you're talking about, you know, questions about whether or not he can play. You're, you're talking about a player that wants to have surgery, that wants to have a decision on what he does medically with his own body. I just think that that's a relationship that's so far fractured that even if he does play, is it going to end up being something that's beneficial or positive for your team moving forward? So I I just look at it from that perspective, and I just don't really understand the the desire or, or really how the Buffalo Sabres got to this point where you might start next season with Jack Eichel still on your roster. Who's the next worst team in your mind? Arizona is Arizona, yeah. Like for Arizona, after everything that they're going through right now, to not be considered uh, the team that's going to struggle the most—that's significant. That tells yeah. you how rocky things are with the Buffalo Sabers right now, and how good we have it. Like Vegas wins <laughs> three out of four games. It's staggering. Yeah. And they've got the best winning percentage all time in the National Hockey League, approaching uh, 300 games. All time. And then you've got some of these other teams that are just, that can't get out of their own way. And Buffalo and Arizona are the two. I think, believe Arizona has the worst winning percentage all time of teams that are, that are uh, active. A couple of that, uh, that that played a handful of years. That doesn't include their Winnipeg years, does it? It does. Oh, yeah, no. Well, the Winnipeg years were, were. I know they had some rough years. Yeah, at the start, at when they were absorbed into the National Hockey League. We are so fortunate, folks. Uh, when we continue news and notes from around the National Hockey League, I'll have a bit of an update, just a tag on to the Jack Eichel uh, conversation, and then give you an idea of what else is happening in and around the NHL. We'll take a break and come back. Uh, it's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Talked a little bit about Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres and the top five, bottom five evaluation. Buffalo Sabres voted by the VGK Insider Show as the worst team going into this National Hockey League season. Uh, Jack Eichel, distraction, yeah. Vladimir Tarasenko with the St. Louis Blues has been mentioned as that type of possibility. It's now coming out that it looks more and more like Tarasenko is going to return or at least start the season with the St. Louis Blues after his agent and Tarasenko had conversations with Doug Armstrong and the St. Louis Blues about 
wanting to move. Uh, Craig Berube says, yeah, uh, he expects Vladdy to play for us uh, on the Cam and Strick podcast. You guys surprised at this at all? Um, yes, slightly. Uh, just because, you know, you had to imagine, you had to think that there was some team out there that could use a, a Vladimir Tarasenko or, you know, a team that was, you know, picking a, a, an entire roster from scratch that probably could have used a uh, a player like Tarasenko, or used him as a pawn to get something else in return that we, of course, know the Seattle Kraken didn't do that, and that didn't happen. But I'm a little bit surprised that Vladimir Tarasenko is still a St. Louis Blue. Uh, but again, you're talking about a guy that has had some injury issues over the last couple of years. There might be teams out there that are interested. They just want to make sure that he's healthy and ready to go before they pull the trigger on a trade. The fact that we're not emotionally invested in this scenario allows me to ask a question to you. Okay. The agent went out and went public with this, and it was not met with uh, with a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings. The, the, the Blues <laughs> knew about the trade request. Uh, they wanted to handle it internally and move on. When the agent went public, it created bigger separation between Vladimir Cherisenko and the St. Louis Blues and what uh, what was going to or could happen there. Is this is this any type of not uh, a pat in the back for the for the team, but good on you for for sticking your ground? Because the the agents obviously tried to play hardball and tried to further things uh, along by going public. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's always interesting in these situations when you've got a player that that asked to to be traded because as a team, Right, as a general manager, you are are in charge of a team. If you have a player under contract for you, you are really in no rush, no hurry, no obligation to make a trade. You are in no obligation or rush to make sure that that player that wants out, who signed a contract with you to be a part of this organization, you don't have to make that trade request because. The fact of the matter is, Vladimir Tarasenko is under contract to the St. Louis Blues. He's under contract for the next two years, and it's a cap hit of $7.5 million. So if you're the Blues, unless you are comfortable moving that player for a return that you feel is worthy and just, why move him? Yeah, and I don't understand the end game for the agent here. Like, releasing that information... It's not like the fans are going to come out and be on the side of the player in that situation. The fans are going to be like, wait a minute, what? You don't want to be here? So so you're not going to win on that argument or on that side. And then... Well, you let the whole world know that he's not happy there. Yeah, but... but the I mean, manager's got to deal with it. The coach has got to deal with it. The but other the Blues players have managed with without it. him. So, I mean... Yeah, they could move him and maybe it diminishes the value a little bit. But I don't. I, I just don't know... Like, from St. Louis's perspective, I I think they continue to play hardball. Why would you not? As far as the distraction, I get being asked about it, uh, and it gets to be a bit of a pain, but he's he's in St. Louis. He's skating with the players during the, yeah. the captain's practices. Uh, I, I think teammate to teammate, he's okay. I, I don't believe that this is an Evander Kane situation where uh, the, the his teammates are... Uh, being reportedly upset with Vladimir Tarasenko, and will that will cause problems? So I, I I don't think it's as much of a distraction 
as it's led to believe. Do uh, you guys remember Ryan Kessler? Yes. Uh, I, I didn't realize this. I thought, kind of thought he'd already retired. But mm-hmm. he's talking about how uh, he uh, doesn't think he'll get back to the NHL level again. Uh, he's still rehabbing, still trying, but uh, after the hip issues and all the uh, the injury issues, doesn't think he's going to play again. He's 37. Hasn't played a game since May 19th. Okay, oh, sorry, so, 2019. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised that Ryan Kessler's just 37 years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, just one of those hard-nosed, pain-in-the-butt players. And that's kind of the thing that I always remember about Ryan Kessler. Um, but, yeah, injuries suck. And it, it would have been interesting to kind of see him continue to progress and continue to play at, at a high level. But unfortunate that he doesn't think he's going to be able to get back there. He's moved back to Michigan. Uh, still skates three days a week, he says. But yeah. uh, he's not going to be uh, at the National Hockey League level. So it sounds like... Uh, an, an official retirement announcement will be forthcoming when it comes to uh, Ryan Kessler, who is one of those guys, boy, could he get in your grill and just be nasty. <laughs> just nasty. He, uh, yeah. he wasn't exactly a media favorite. Uh, he could be crusty. <laughs> that, that's being nice. But, boy, when it came to being effective on the ice, he could shut you down, and he could put the puck in the net, too. Yeah, just... Uh... 1,001 games played. Amazing. That's that's a beautiful number. So Bob McCown's podcast, uh, Kyle Dubas uh, went on there and talked with John Shannon and said uh, that he actually looked at changing the core of that team. Uh, went on to say that none of the opportunities that came along in the summer were going to tangibly improve the club. They could have made them different, but wouldn't have necessarily made them better. Would different be better? In the case of the Toronto Maple Leafs, well, the same hasn't worked, so probably, maybe. I mean, it's it's something to think about when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, I I don't know why this team can't figure out how to win four out of seven games in the playoffs. I, I really cannot, for the life of me, with all the talent that they have, figure that out. But um, I think that when you continue to beat your head against a wall. And you're running out the more or less the exact same team or the same template year after year after year, and it continues to fail. That fans, pretty much anybody in the Toronto market, is going to want something different because at least then there's hope because it's different. So I, I think in this situation, different for the sake of being different might have been the way to go. Because we talked earlier about John Cooper and commended the Tampa Bay ownership and management for sticking with him during a couple of uh, high-profile playoff losses and not making the playoffs, in fact, one year. And they were rewarded with that, with back-to-back championships. And this, I'm with you, different would have been better, Mm -hmm. but uh, Dubas also admits that if, if they don't get it done this year, he's probably going down with the ship. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's something to that, I, I guess. Like, I, I know that Kyle Dubas believes in what he's built, and I know that he believes in the template that they have where, you know, you, you lean heavily, heavily, heavily into what your strengths are with your best players. And then everything kind of falls into place around it. 
Um, and you know, I, 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 I do appreciate how headstrong he is in believing that that can that that can win in the NHL. Um, but it just hasn't been proven to be the case for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm sorry, three years, four years in a row, like that's enough of a sample size to at least make you reconsider certain things. Uh, on the subject of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews says uh, his rehab on his uh, wrist injury, he had surgery, uh, middle of the summer is coming along just fine. And he's going to have this splint uh, taken off soon. And he's going to get back on the ice and he's going to be ready for training camp. So it sounds like uh, positive things there, although he's going to be a little bit behind compared to uh, what he would normally like to uh, like to be. But uh, that's a positive when it comes to Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, uh, other news to tell you about is uh, that uh, the National Hockey League is going to have more days in its season this year. Normally, it's around 185 in and around there, 180. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now it's going to be 200 because of that gap <laughs> in the uh, in the February because of the Olympic break. What does that mean? Millard, what are you talking about? Well, it extends the season and it lessens the impact of when you send a player down to the American Hockey League to create cap space. Hmm. So all the shuffling, we're used to it with Vegas putting players down to Chicago or Henderson and bring players back up uh, to, to save cap space or to build up cap space. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Each of those transactions won't be as significant as they have been in years past. What you will see, so you may not see as much day-to-day uh, in that regard, but when it comes to February and you've got that big stretch of games without... Uh, National Hockey League action, I think you're going to see a flood of players sent down. (laughs) One, to get some time uh, on the ice to keep playing in the American Hockey League. And number two, to accumulate some cap space. And that's just get ready for it in February. This will be across the league. You'll see uh, players sent down to accumulate cap space. Yeah, and I think, you know, the cap space is obviously a big part of it, especially when you're dealing with a team like the Vegas Golden Knights who are going to spend to the cap and who are going to be looking to to do everything that they can if they're if they're able at the trade deadline to add to this team to continue to improve it and make it better uh, but you know to, to your point about getting an opportunity to continue to play during that time getting an opportunity to work on your chops in the AHL I, I think that that's going to be huge for some players especially those players that are kind of on the bubble for the Vegas Golden Knights, you're looking at maybe a Peyton Krebs, for instance, just getting an opportunity to get more reps at the professional level. I think it's going to be huge. We have uh, sweaters that have been uh, revealed for the Winter Classic. St. Yep. Louis against the Minnesota Wild. Assessment of the uh, the threads that we've uh, been able to see. <sighs> okay. Um, so the Minnesota jersey. Okay. I'm going to start with the good. The St. Louis Blues Winter Classic jersey is absolutely phenomenal. It is perfect. It is pristine. It is going to be absolutely beautiful on the ice. It's everything you want in a Winter Classic jersey. The Blues hit it out of the park. The Minnesota Wild jersey uh, is not good. It's not good at all. There are many aspects of this jersey that aren't good. And I'm going to start with the stripe across the chest, cutting into 
the ability to to make the crest more focal. I, I don't know what it is. It's just bad. I love the pants. I love the gloves. I don't like that the cream on the jersey doesn't match the pants or the gloves. I'm not a fan of that well, at all. It's made to look like in the 1920s I, or 30s. I hear, I, I get the concept of it. It's just not a good jersey. It's just not a good jersey. It, it reminds me of like the New York Americans sweaters that you see every now and then because of some historical relevance uh, that, that something's come up. That's, that's what it really reminds me of. It, it, and it does look like a sweater. Like something that you would would have worn outside to keep your keep yourself as Listen. much warm as as you would as a as a just a color and scheme fashion statement. Right. No. It, it'll be great this year when I can get a Kirill Kaprizov uh, <laughs> Minnesota Wild Winter Classic jersey, and I can wear that as an ugly sweater at the ugly sweater Christmas party. Like that'll be fantastic because you're <laughs> right. It is an ugly ugly sweater it's not an ugly sweater i like it's the terrible. sweater it's I, absolutely terrible i i like the fact that like darren said it, it it looks like a legitimate throwback to like the 1920s i love the outline of the state of minnesota i like how they incorporate the twin cities of minneapolis and st paul but the, but the the crest is the lettering off the on the top is MPLS Minneapolis, which is which is cool because and then you're Saint not going to fit Minneapolis yeah. on the top there. It'll look really distorted if you do. I mean, and anyone who's so an bad. old old school Laker fan knows that the team came from Minneapolis before they played in Los Angeles. They used to use the MPLS on their jerseys too. So I did not know that. I know it's not a throwback to the Lakers. It's not a nod to them or anything. But that's how they used to do it. I like the little diamond that's on the pants. I don't know what it says, but it, I think it looks kind of cool. I'm assuming it's kind of an old-school Minnesota hockey logo. I, I don't think it's that bad. I, I, I think it, it does exactly what it's supposed to do, look like a vintage throwback jersey. Now, the blues, I, I like the blues, too. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Which blues one's is better? Oh, uh, yeah, St. Louis is better because it's more... To our vintage, yeah. Uh, St. Louis is better. Minneapolis, uh, the 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 Wild are too busy, but I get what they were trying to do. Here's the thing about the the Wild Winter Classic sweaters is their their uh, reverse retro sweater was, was phenomenal. One, was one of the best in the yes. league. Yep. So they had something, good, and there were so many people that want them to adopt that kit as their regular kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because their other sweaters are more like the Christmas tree. look like a Christmas yep. tree. The, yep. What they've done now for their Winter Classic sweaters is more like the Christmas tree, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit confusing in that, that they, they went that way, but um, it'll be fun. Uh, uh, Minneapolis has deserved one of these Winter Classic games for a while, and I'm, I'm glad that they're going to get that opportunity, and I'm, I'm excited that the St. Louis is rewarded for, for it as well. I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, I think these jerseys are terrible. I really do. The the Blues hit it out of the park. I I know that there's a, a strong contingent of people on Twitter and and in hockey in the hockey world that really do like the Minnesota Wild jerseys. They're just not good. They're they're not good at all. And um, you know, it's, 
I understand making it look old, but can you just match the colors for me, please? I cannot. <laughs> it's like it's like the reverse wave. It's just something that my brain cannot compute. Match the colors. That's all I'm asking. Match the colors. No. It, is it a good thing that everybody's talking about the Minnesota Wild Winter Classic sweaters and not about Kirill Kaprizov? Yeah. I wonder if he's going to be there at training camp. Whether they I mean, do just settle in on the like he he would like something shorter. Brady yeah. Kachuk wants a long term deal, and Kaprizov wants something shorter that will take him up to free agency. There, the age is a, a factor, and and why they want that. But two players that are very important to their respective teams looking for the opposite contracts. I, I just like okay when it comes to Kaprizov. If I'm Bill Guerin, I'm at a point right now where y- you did what you did with Parise and Suter. You bought them out. You know how bad it's going to be over the next couple of years in terms of dead cap space. You need, after a season like last year, to to really kind of give your fans something to be excited and happy about. And I know that the team is trending in the right direction, but this team going into next year or next season without Kirill Kaprizov is really going to put a damper on that. So you've got to get the deal done. Uh, I also think it's really intriguing and very funny if the Minnesota Wild have a a Calder uh, a Calder Trophy winner only play one season in the NHL. I think that'd be really really funny. So there's a lot of different ways that I want to go with this. I'd like to see Kirill Kaprizov play, but if he only plays one season, that would be really funny. <laughs> he's he's gonna play more than one season. I don't know. We'll see. If Come on. He's played it well. Like, he stayed over in Russia for the longest yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Was originally drafted by Chuck Fletcher. And that's a couple of general managers ago uh, for the Minnesota Wild. Now it's Billy Guerin who finally gets him over and it mm-hmm. becomes the big headache. Like, at one point, <laughs> Guerin was embracing, like, this is awesome. Kaprizov. What they, he gets to enjoy the, 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 the spoils of... Uh, of the success and instead it's uh or the uh enjoy the the benefit of the success and instead it turns into a major headache for the general manager yeah i mean that's you know that's what happens when you are are dealing with a player that you know even though he's only just he's only had one year in the nhl i mean he knows his worth and he knows what he wants and he knows that he holds a lot of the leverage in this situation so um I don't envy being Billy Guerin right now trying to figure this one out. They live in a cave, right? Like, they have to. Well, I don't know whether they have to or not. Well, I mean, the, the difference is they're, they're going to stink if they if they don't. The, the frustration is that you went through the hard, hard decision to buy out the older players, mm-hmm. and yep. one of those older players was going to be bought out anyway because of uh, you saw what happened in the in this series with the with the Vegas school tonight that the the deck breeze's time just had had run out there but uh, yeah. uh he went through that hardship and he's still not signed over under I'll give you the over under is 2 how many free agents restricted free agents won't be at camp when it opens will it be more than 2 or less than 2 Hughes Pedersen Kachuk uh Kaprizov there's there's a number of them well I think okay. Kaprizov for sure I don't think he's there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's one. Um, I think Vancouver gets both of their deals done before. 
So I two think and a half would be one, the number, more I, or less. I, I think they get one of them done. I'm not sure they get both of them done before camp, so that's my two. And you know what? I'll go over because this Brady Kachuk thing is fascinating to me, and it should be done by now, and it isn't. So and, I'll throw that one. And Ryan, you two. mentioned earlier Buffalo has not signed Darlene, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Darlene's so an I, easy I don't, one. So, I don't yeah. think he's there. So, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go over as well. Beautiful. Two and a half. That's, that's a big number, and that's different. Hey, and, and, and let's not forget, Vegas still hasn't signed Nolan Patrick. Right. Good point on that. Although I, I, think, think, I, think, I think that does get I think done. he's done. Yeah, I think he'll be there. Uh, when we continue catching up with Chapman on this uh, Monday edition of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Fan Fest coming up on Thursday. We will be live downtown event center, the Las Vegas 4-6 Fan Fest going through till 7 o'clock with the Vegas Golden Knights. Looking forward to chatting with everybody. Uh, Lou's going to be down there. Rita will work on it. Make sure that you get uh, advance notice next time. Here's catching up with Chapman. Last night, did something very cool with my family. It's it's kind of a, a tradition that I like to partake in. And unfortunately, my son was out of town, so he could not be involved with us this year. But uh, went to the Greek Fest with my wife and my mother. And uh, if you've never been to the Greek Fest here in Las Vegas, I will say it is, it's really cool. It's the food. First of all, if you like Greek food, you have to go. But it's just a really vibrant, kind of nice atmosphere, and it was they didn't have one last year because of COVID, and it was just nice to be able to get back and, and do something like that because it's kind of the first. What did you do? Give me well, an idea. Well, I mean, they had I went out and I danced like a lunatic to the Greek music that they were playing, and I I drank some Greek uh, spirits. And ate lots of Greek food. Did you get lit? Oh no! no. Well, if you were dancing like a lunatic, well, you had to get I, lit. I I burned it off. You know, when when you when you drink a little bit, you dance. You burn oh. a lot of that, uh, well, drunkness off. So, uh, but yeah, what was I, the best thing you ate? Uh, I I am a big fan of. They have something that they call saganaki, which is a cheese, and basically they fry it in a pan with. Brandy, it's Greek brandy, and then they put it on wow. a pita bread or like a pita roll. It is so good. I mean, it's I love cheese to begin with. You what just, was that cheese that you couldn't say properly? I I don't know. Mozzarella, what was it? ricotta. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, there it is. That it there is. is. There it is. That's it. Ricotta, ricotta. Yeah. No, it's not that at all. Listen, yeah. you grew up in, in Southern California. You grew up in Winnipeg. Yeah. I grew up in an Italian-American family in the Northeast. It's regat. Regat. Not, not many things frustrate Wallace <laughs> no, like we, we, the we, way you say regat. And, and saying that the players wear shorts. Yes. Well, that was... <laughs> I'm not even sure that you were serious about that. I hope you weren't. They're pants. But uh, thanks, uh, thanks for chiming in. More catching up with Chapman tomorrow on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Yeah.